But yeah, it's just, it's a lot of like, how badly do you want it? How badly do you want your voice to be heard? And are you willing to push through all of the negativity and all of the, the people that don't think you're good enough to get your voice heard in the end? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the ninth episode of the Unofficial Last Year Film Podcast. I'm joined by Kristen and Michelle Nolan. Say hello. Hello. In today's podcast, we'll be going over Michelle's experience with film school, professional quality, and diversity. All right. Michelle graduated uh, last year university. Uh, what was it? What year was it? Was it, it last was... year or the year before? <laughs> Time is a blur now. I don't <laughs> it was um it was last June, so that was 2019. Yeah, awesome. 2019 um, with a film and television production degree, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll just start out uh, asking uh, Michelle. So, I mean, why did you get into film school? Like, or what? How how did you get into film? Well, it all started when I was seven years old. No, um, so my my brother and I, we um, my brother bought this black and white camcorder when he was like 10 and I was seven at the time I think yeah so he um he just started filming me like nonstop, constantly and I was just like the ham of his videos like I would just like act and be all crazy and goofy and then it sort of like strangely evolved like we were like well how much more complicated can we make this and then it started to get to where we would save up money for like green screens and stuff and software and it turned into um this really like complicated like thing we had we had like all these like cameras and green screen and like audio equipment and it was it was really fun and then we started to actually make promotional videos for events and people started asking us like hey can you do this video for us like oh I guess so Um, and that's like when we were in like high school age and so we eventually started to take it seriously like well if we're having so much fun doing this like why can't this just be my career choice and so um yeah, after that, I, I, I started realizing like the power of film and storytelling and how you can use film in a way to express yourself and to share your worldview in a way that is sort of passive, but it also teaches people something if they're really open-minded to what they're watching. And I really liked the idea of being able to share something important, well, at least that I thought was important with a lot of people at the same time. Wow. So you had like a lot of practice with you and your brother, like starting to tell stories from a really early age. Yes. Obviously, like other people noticed, you know, that uh, ability from you guys. And so Mm -hmm. when you guys got past high school, um, why why go to La Sierra of all places? Like, why not go to another university or another school that may have more notoriety? Why La Sierra specifically? Um, So I... I am a Christian and I'm Seventh-day Adventist. So um, a big part of my career was really linked with my faith. And I felt like those two shouldn't be separate things. Like I I wanted to incorporate what I believed into my creativity and how I expressed myself that way. So, and also a lot of my older friends were graduated from La Sierra and I'm like, well, they're pretty smart and they have great careers now. So like, it's, I don't think it's like a horrible place to go. 
And the year that I started film school, it, um, it was actually the year that the film program started. So it sort of all came together, like the stars aligned for me, sort of like I can, I can still like not be ashamed of my faith while I create films. And I can also um, just be in a place where I know other people have come from and have built good careers off of that. So it just sort of, I don't know, it just felt like it all fit together for me in that way. That's awesome. So um, what kind of like films did you make during film school? Could you like, kind of walk us through um, your start, like in, when you were a freshman in your first year, kind of wait mm -hmm. all the way to your graduation time? Like, what did you do in between? Oh, <laughs> okay. So uh, part of it was just classroom assignments. The other part was actually side projects. So I was doing a lot of I was continuing a lot of like promotional videos for churches and organizations and stuff. Um, that really helped me to prepare for the class assignments actually. So I felt like I had pretty good footing like when it came to like, oh, can you shoot this thing? Like, oh yeah, sure, I've done that before. Like I know what it needs or what needs to be done to make it look the way it should look. And um, so I, I kind of like, I noticed that I kind of had this weird balance between drama and comedy. Like, I really love comedy. I would love to just have a career of like being a comedy writer. That's like my dream job. But um, I think for me, I, yeah, I started off doing, I'm trying to remember now. It feels like it's so long ago. Like, what was my first film? I did She Isn't Here. Yeah. That, that was, um, that was a mix between comedy and drama, but that was sort of, uh, it was a film about mental health and how um, just like raising awareness for mental health and people with different issues. And um, so I added comedy in there, but I wanted some sort of serious tone to it just to like sort of teach people about what it meant to be so, like aware of these problems that people have that they feel like they can't really talk about. Um, so, yeah, a lot of comedy. I did this one <laughs> film that I never released, <laughs> but it was like it was like a, a soap opera that I did with a few classmates and it was like a love triangle, but but it, we were using like <laughs> it was like a lot of innuendos, but we were <laughs> using like um internet talk, like bandwidth and stuff. <laughs> So that was like this like weird um, soap opera drama that like I still have. Like, I'm wondering if I should release it or not. <laughs> but yeah, so it's um, I started with that and then I, I eventually did She Isn't Here. And then I did um, my senior thesis, which I'm still in uh, post-production for, but illusory. So that's pure drama. There's like really nothing funny about that one at all. But it's like super serious, like people just getting beaten up and shot and like, it's really crazy. But um, <laughs> so I was trying, I was like sort of like seeing what I could do with pure drama. Cause I've been doing comedy for so long that I was thinking um, that I should just, I should try to do a drama just to see if I can do a drama, you know? But yeah. that's sort of, that's sort of been the process, like just doing that and then a lot of side projects. Mm -hmm. So like two questions to kind of like uh, go off tangents here. So mm -hmm. you talked a lot about how um, you would do a lot of projects outside of your curriculum to yeah. uh, practice and to work on and other people's requests. And you felt like that prepared you mm -hmm. um, for films. So when it came to what specific film, let's talk about um, She Isn't Here. 
yeah. how um, like how did you apply a lot of that knowledge to she isn't here, and how did she isn't here kind of take you into more opportunities? So um, I I had experience um, just finding locations and talking with clients about like shooting dates and times, and um, just getting paperwork done and signing contracts and all that stuff. And um, a lot of that went into um, the She Isn't Here production process, pre-production, because I had to sign a lot of paperwork. I had some SAG actors on that film, so I had to fill out a lot of union paperwork. Um, and so I think just setting up um, like productions for like interviews and mini documentaries and stuff like that, it really helped me to understand the pre-production process um, in a more organized way. Cause you think, oh, I need like actors and I need locations and all that stuff, but you don't really think, okay, what does it actually take to get those things and to organize all of that? So I feel like it really helped me to understand the process behind like just like the baby steps of like what what do I need to do who do I need to call and contact um, who would be the person who knows who to contact for this certain thing um, it just it takes a lot of organization and um, I guess just practice like talking to people seeing what you can get out of them I was fortunate enough to film at the Anaheim Garden Walk which I was not expecting it's like right by Disneyland so I just asked them and they're like, oh, sure. And I was like, really? Are you serious? <laughs> they're like, yeah, no, that's fine. Go ahead. Because I had like all the insurance backing it up. But they like they totally were like, oh, yeah, you can film wherever you want. Just don't show like the um, names of restaurants or anything like that. I'm like, oh, cool. Awesome. <laughs> but it's just because I tried. Like I, I didn't know that I could do that kind of stuff or I could like film in those locations, but I, I just made the phone call and then I found out that I could. So I was like, oh, awesome. Um, so I think after She Isn't Here, I made some connections with the actors because um, those were really the newest people that I met out of the production because I was using a lot of just classmates and stuff like that for the crew. Um, but I met um, some actors and I ended up working with Liz Sandifer, who was the lead actress in another film called In the Waiting. And that was another short film that I did, <laughs> which ended with like a, a milkshake fight at the end. <laughs> but that was, yeah, that was a fun film. Um, so I was doing that with her. Um, I also got um, some work with another classmate, um, Kai Maeda, which we did the film Run Together. And through all of that, I ended up winning um, a Best Dramatic Short award for She Isn't Here and a Best Director award for Run, which was a film I did with Kai. And I, yeah, it sort of started, like things started falling into place. Like I started to get um, a notification from PBS and they were telling me that they wanted to give me a distribution deal for my film. And that just completely blew me away. I was like jumping up and down for joy. I was so excited. So I was just like losing my mind over that. And so they ended up, yeah, they ended up giving me a distribution deal for three years with film school shorts. So my film ended up on their, their program for a while. And um, if you look up PBS, she isn't here, it should come up on YouTube, but yeah, that was really exciting. So it's sort of, I don't know, it's just like putting yourself out there and 
just trying stuff is really important because you never know who's going to accept you and who's going to give you opportunities just because like it just could be the perfect timing for them like oh yeah we wanted to do this like why not like use you so I think um, a big part of that was me getting over my fear of like will people accept me is this good enough and just trying I think that's a really important thing for filmmakers yeah I learned a lot definitely from you on those sets because uh, when I was a young film student, um, <laughs> I was graced, exactly, yeah. <clears throat> I was graced by people like you and by Daniel and by a couple other guests that we've had on the podcast to kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, ask, hey, do you want to be part of this project that I'm doing? And I'm like, and I was just like, uh huh, yeah, please. <laughs> um, but you guys definitely taught me a lot. And when I remember like walking into the garden walk, for your mm -hmm. set and I was so like blown away that you were able to get that and then when you told me that yeah I just asked it kind of <laughs> became one of those like things I'm like wow that is really really cool and you know jokes all jokes aside that has kind of become one of the uh, running pieces of advice for this podcast for our uh for everyone is that you don't know until you ask and yeah it doesn't hurt you to ask yeah Michelle you mentioned a lot of great opportunities coming from she isn't here and for um run mm -hmm. distribution deals and other like opportunities and that's fantastic um for like a film student you know who um is like just starting out you know should do you think it's a good idea for them to like focus on making like great um short films or you know other uh pieces or um for like you you also mentioned before you even did those things you worked promotion videos for churches and for other clients. Um, mm -hmm. How did you take, I mean, how did you take that first step um, to get those? And do you recommend like a student, you know, just like take, um, wanting to get experience, take a first step with like clients and uh, churches or other promotional um, or other like do promotional videos for other organizations or should they like focus on um, like creating their own content? Hmm. Well, okay, for me, I mean, I just know from my experience that um, doing as much work as you can, regardless of whether it's a class assignment or not, is really important. Um, it just teaches you skills that you wouldn't have if you didn't actually experience filming the thing. So I think it's really important to take as many opportunities as you can. Um, nothing is too lowly for a filmmaker to do. I mean, unless it goes against your morals or something, like I would say not do it. But um, if it is an opportunity someone's giving you, even when you're just starting out and the pay is low or maybe there's no pay, I say you should do it just for the experience of it. Um, and then once you start um, getting better, more professional at your craft, you can start charging more and ask and like having higher standards for your pay and stuff like that but when you're first starting out i think it's just really important to just keep trying new things and challenging yourself picking um projects that you you're not really quite sure how to complete because it forces you to learn new things in order for you to actually accomplish your goal um and then also too when you start to really create films like maybe it's just for one client you have, like even if it's a family member, like you have this one thing to show and they usually it's like by word of mouth, like they'll show somebody your work and then they'll really like it. They'll want to get in touch with you and then they'll ask you to do something, you do something for them and then it just keeps growing from there. 
um, a lot of the work that I've gotten was just because I said yes to a really low paying job in the first place. And then it just started growing into me making more money on side projects and doing more complicated side projects. Um, and that like that eventually led into like going from just one little promotional video to my local church, I ended up doing a whole web series for the North American division of my church. So it, it's really expanded that way just by word of mouth and putting yourself out there and not expecting a, like a high pay rate, but like just doing stuff just to do stuff and to learn. And um, yeah, it, it just word of mouth is really powerful and it really helps networking and um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> in in your experience, um, do you think that students should go out and like ask organizations if they can do things, or do should they like establish themselves as as a, as a filmmaker and then like let kind of let them come to you? Hmm. Well. I think it's important to put yourself out there because a lot of the times people don't know you actually exist or that you're actually doing that kind of stuff. Um, when you volunteer yourself for things, it really helps because people know, oh, they're interested in film. They can do something for me. And it, it's, yeah, it's like if, if they don't really know what you can do, um, which is good to have like a demo reel of like just random stuff you've done in the past. It's good to just have something to show them, but don't rely on your demo reel to get you jobs. You have to actually talk to people and offer your services to them. Um, especially if you see a need that needs to be met, you just say, hey, I can do this for you if you want. Like, let me know if you're interested. Um, I can show you some stuff that I've done in the past. Like you have to really put yourself out there and not expect people to just come to you because you're just starting out and people don't really know what you're capable of yet. Nice. Chris, how do you think, or how important is it in your opinion to establish yourself as um, like that filmmaker or that like person that does this thing? <laughs> oh man, I, I know we've talked about this before on other podcasts, but um, especially when it comes down to eventually specializing in one thing or another, it's really important to kind of have your name be the first name on a list. If someone has a project in their mind and they're saying, oh, I need to put together a crew, I need to hire this person, I need this promotional thing done for me, your name should be really close to the top of that list yeah. if you want to <clears throat> keep getting jobs and keep getting your name passed around. And that's for two reasons, really. It's one, for a sense of professionalism. They know that you'll uh, produce good work and good quality and you'll do a good job at what mm -hmm. they want you to do and then two ultimately they want to work with someone that is nice and is friendly and is um, personable and communicates well so if you're both those things then you're pretty much at the top of everyone's list and that is what's really going to kind of get your name passed around because no one wants mm -hmm. to recommend someone that was a bad experience and if they do recommend someone that was a bad communicator, bad whatever, their quality must be insanely high for them to be <laughs> able to overlook the other thing. So for me, I'm a production sound mixer. And so what, my what I want my name to be attached to is sound. Okay, I have this project coming up. I need sound. Okay, who's the first person I'm going to ask? Okay, I know Chris does this because I've worked with him before. I've seen him do stuff before. He's been nice to work with. That's kind of the conversation I want them to have in their heads. So that kind of comes in when 
I've come on set, I'm prepared, I'm ready, and I'm timely with their needs, and I can ultimately give them the product they want in a way that is easy for them to work with me. So nice for for at least a beginning uh, film student, it might be a catch twenty two to where like you know how do I get this person to think of me when I haven't done anything. Um, so Michelle, I think you touched upon it a little bit before about how to um, begin establishing yourself, but at least addressing it more specifically, um, how does like a person who's just starting out go out and make a make a name for themselves hmm. or gain experience? Just film yourself doing stupid stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it, it, I think for me, I can be a perfectionist a lot of the time. And so sometimes it's hard for me to think like, oh, I could just film like this random thing and then it'll be good enough. Like I'm like, no, we have to have like actors and we have to have lights and all this stuff. But I think it's really important to use what you have and just film something. Like it doesn't have to be amazing, but I think your potential will shine through with whatever area it is that you're working with. So um, if you're really serious about it, you have to start somewhere which is the bottom usually. And so um, just film something, um, even if it's just like random B-roll footage, if you're like a cinematographer, just film like random stuff in your house or outside or get a friend to do some things. And then um, I think your potential will shine through and people will see that. And then they'll be like, oh, if they can do this, then they can probably do this other thing that I had in mind. So um, don't, underestimate yourself and just try something. Um, I guess that's the theme of this podcast, <laughs> just try something. <laughs> like don't, yeah, don't, don't put so much pressure on yourself that you never get anything done. Yeah, to add to that, um, definitely film yourself doing a bunch of things. Film yourself mm -hmm. trying something new, but also show it to someone please yeah. do not just film it and keep it in a vault that doesn't help you it doesn't help anyone it doesn't tell everyone what you can do you got to film it you got to show someone at least mm -hmm. one other person and hopefully everyone else in your department or your community you got to show them the capability that you have and where you can go with it mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a great great point that you guys just made and also like uh well Michelle, like, at, at what point do you think it's a good idea to like um, really hone in on the skills and make like this like side project like um, the best quality that they can, that can possibly be? Like, at what point do you do that? Because many times, if like in like let's just say class assignments, you know, people might not necessarily put in the most effort into it, and they might just like do the bare minimum just to get by. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, at what point do you put in more effort into or? more quality into the side project? Um, well, okay. I would say do that as soon as possible. Um, I'm not saying like when you first start out to like not put effort into it. I think you do need to put effort into it. But um, when you, whenever you do anything, you should always do your best. You shouldn't just try to do the bare minimum and just like, oh, I just want to pass the class kind of a thing. Like when you're doing class assignments or side projects, you always have to think ahead. Like this is going to be an example I'm going to use to show somebody that I can do something later in the future. So I, 
I would say like always do your best, whatever it is. Um, but don't put that pressure on yourself that like it has to be 100% perfect. Cause I don't think any film that I've ever done at least was 100% the way that I thought it would go. Um, but like just whatever you have currently, whatever skills you have currently, just do your best in that. And um, I think as you continue to do more films, your skills will grow. Um, as you challenge yourself, it'll grow. But um, yeah, I mean, I was never like, I mean, it, okay, it depends on the class, but I was never <laughs> one to like try to do the bare minimum. Um, I would always just try my absolute best um, for films because I, I, it's a, my passion. Like I love films. So um, I would just put my all into it, but I would have to keep reminding myself to not put myself down in the process if I do mess up or if I don't have everything I need like just finish it like finishing it is one of the most important things you can do um when I was younger like when my brother and I were doing films when I was like seven or eight I think like 100% of our films ended with to be continued and we would never continue any of them. <laughs> and so that really like, it just showed me like, I need to finish something. I need to have like a completed project to show people and to prove to myself and to others that I can actually do this and I can actually provide them what they need. I think that's a great point. You just made of like making sure that you finish it and also if you're doing a class assignment, like looking ahead and knowing that this might be something that you might show to someone later, or it might be something that you might demonstrate in your skills. Um, many times I feel like uh, students don't think about that. And I know myself, yeah. I certainly didn't think about that a, a mm -hmm. lot when I was <laughs> going to <taking laughs> my first two years. So I think that's a great point. Chris, do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, man, I love that. I wish I, I, wish, um, I would have had that perspective for a lot of film school, to be honest. Um, I think that it's really important to always do the best that you can possibly do with any project, because like Michelle said, ultimately it's a reflection of your work. You're the one that made it. Your name is the one attached to it. So you mm -hmm. should do the absolute best that you can, but you should also be realistic with what you can do and also understand the, uh, the circumstances around yourself. So mm -hmm. if you're doing it for a class project, it may not be realistic to get a full lighting kit, a full crew, a full set of actors that you do rehearsal with and blocking and da 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 da. You get the point. Um, but you should you should never let realism and the reality of life completely stop you from doing something better. You should always mm -hmm. try to do something better, but you should also make sure that everything you do is within context. Can I do this right now? Do I have the time to do this right now? Do I have the value or the finances or the budget or the people? to even do something of this scale right now? And if the answer is no, then you have to do the best with what you have. Mm -hmm. But if the answer is, yeah, maybe I can do that. Yeah, you should absolutely spring for that then. Like always push yourself to improve upon the last project, to do better than the last project. Because like Michelle said, you're going to eventually, hopefully put this as uh, your reel or maybe put this as your demo reel. And if you're not happy with what you're going to show people, then you have it's your project ultimately. So you're the one that makes the decision. Yeah, I think also like like you said, if you push yourself too, you know, also something that might happen is that you might fail, and that's totally okay because you're you're in film school to fail, and and you're in film school to learn. And without mm -hmm. um, failing, 
like <clears throat> you don't know <laughs> anything. All right, moving on. Um, Michelle, something that I've always admired about you is that you always do manage to put out like really good work and really professional quality stuff. Um, yeah, thank and, you. <laughs> um, and so in, in your own eyes, how do you see going about um, getting that like cinematic, um, I just did air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> How do you how do you go about getting that for a podcast with audio? Uh, audio yeah. only podcast. Um. So okay. I. Okay, for getting a professional look for your film, you need a crew that knows what they're doing. Um. <laughs> so, I think I. I uh, because I know, like, you want to just get all your friends to do stuff, and you're like, oh, well, so-and-so has been wanting to try sound or try filming. Um, and it's, it's uh, there's a time and place for when you give your friends those opportunities. But um, for me, when I choose my crew, I, like Chris was saying, you get the people that are on the top of your list, right? And Chris was actually on the top of my list for sound. Um, so, <laughs> so like when you, when you're thinking of who to choose for your crew members, you have to look at their entire life, look at their work ethic. How do they handle assignments? How do they handle pressure? Um, are they creative? Do you feel like they would understand what your creative vision is for the film? There's a lot of things that go into just picking the people that you're going to surround yourself with that ultimately results in the success of your film. So I feel like when you are choosing your crew, just be really careful. Like, don't just choose anybody. Pick the best of the best and um, don't really compromise that. I mean, if people get sick or they drop out for some reason, then you pick your second best. You don't just pick your best friend or whatever. Like, you, you really have to choose the best people and um, I guess I'm just saying that because I want to say because my films have been somewhat successful like they've had like the distribution deals and all that stuff that was not just me um, that was the whole crew working together to create the film and I I really do not want to take credit like because I know I had a part to play in it but everybody did like everybody had a part no matter if it was grip or writing or whatever it was like everybody has a part to play in your film and you can't just say that you did it all yourself because um, you really didn't unless it's just one of those like one person one camera kind of thing and you just went out and filmed something but like um it really um like it takes a village to raise a child and the child is the film <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know to me it's it's really like I, that's why another reason why I love film is because it's really like community based like you need others to actually do something and it's just fun to work with people um so I think it's just really important to have that in your head like don't make it all about you and like it's up to you to make this film like if you have a crew you need to delegate you need to rely on them and trust their opinions and like if you have a cinematographer 
and you never listen to anything that they say, it's like, well, why did you pick that cinematographer if you're not trusting anything that they're trying to suggest to you? Um, it's you have to trust other people's creativity and you have to trust other people's decision making because um, you're choosing them so that they can add value to your film. So I think a big thing of just creating a professional film is to have professional people working on your film. Um, another thing is just to watch a lot of movies yourself. Like if you want your film to have a certain look or feel, you need to um, really just watch films that are in that genre, um, those types of films so that you get the feel for um, what it's like, what the writing is like, what the look is like. Um, so that way you can just duplicate it. Cause I feel like a, people like they sort of don't want to admit it, but a lot of the films today, they're just duplicating things that they've seen in other films. Um, they're like, Oh, I like that. I want to use that for my film. Like it's just all recycled stuff. So it's, it's okay to watch a film and be like, Oh, I want to sort of like replicate that feel or that, um, that look from my film. Um, so yeah, those are my suggestions. Awesome. We'll touch upon watching other movies in next episode's podcast with Daniel, which will <laughs> be released on Thursday, <laughs> even if we recorded it uh, the day before this podcast was recorded. Edit that out. Edit that out. They don't need to know the timeline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think you made great points, Michelle. Um, although I think you do need to take credit for bringing everybody together, um, as Chris told me. <laughs> yeah, but, um, um, but yeah, but you, I think. You, you do play a big part in bringing everybody together and making sure the film is actually um, can get complete because it mm -hmm. is um, your your child um, that the village <laughs> is raising, but it is still your child. <laughs> I birthed I the that, child. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're just all there to like encourage you to push. <laughs> get the film out. Yeah. No, uh, all jokes aside, though, um, it says a lot about um, a project if someone asks you to do a project and you look at their request and you just think to yourself, no, absolutely not. Or you think, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like yeah. if someone you don't, if someone has a bad reputation or has a bad rap in previous sets or they have a bad work ethic, like Michelle was saying, or like if you have someone that has a history of not working well with others, you're less likely as a person to say yes to their request to help. But if mm -hmm. you know that person has good quality behind them, a good work ethic behind them, a good personality behind them, and honestly, you know that this person is sincerely asking for your aid in their filmmaking, you are more inclined to say yes to that person. Mm -hmm. And especially when, like, when Michelle asked me specifically for her film, I was like, yeah, I know Michelle puts out really good quality work. I know she takes her time. I know she's really detailed. I know she's a great person to work with. Yes, absolutely, I'll do this film. Um, if it was someone else, let's say, who had a previous set that may not have gone as well, I would be so much more hesitant to be like, yes, I will then lend you my time and effort and energy and expertise and all that to make a film that I don't think is good. Yeah, not, that's not how that works. You would always want to go with someone <laughs> that you actually like. Yeah, I think that's a great transition to our next topic. I do want to go back to the previous one for a little bit uh, later, but I'll transition to the importance of a nice character because... Like you just said, Chris, it is important to um, establish or be nice and establish yourself as a good work ethic. Not mm -hmm. not everyone's perfect, you know. I definitely know that I've been snobby at times, and <laughs> you? really, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah <laughs> I, mean, I can't picture that no okay. yeah there's definitely been times where i've been like in over my head and just like frustrated <laughs> or snobby um and you know i've, I've as, as you get older, you know, or as I've gotten older, I've, I've realized how, like, snobby I've, I've have been at times. Um, but I think something that I've always thought of Michelle is, like, you know, one of the nicest person, people ever. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> uh, Michelle, uh, you can, like, not be humble on, on this topic. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on um, being, being nice and, like, uh, being establishing yourself with a person of good worth of a hard work hard work ethic <laughs> and all that jazz hmm i think a, <laughs> i'm getting really personal here but i think a big part of having a nice character is having a fear of conflict <laughs> so <laughs> i think that um that was sort of like i don't know it was sort of like a basis for like i just i really don't want to cause drama I've experienced drama in my life before and um, I absolutely hate it. And so I, I feel like um, just for me personally and my experience with creativity and doing my absolute best, I've realized that the best work environment is one where you feel safe and you feel like you have a voice and that if you can open up and share something about yourself or share an idea you have about like what to do next, um, I think that creates a really safe, healthy environment. And so I, I never want to um, have an imposing like personality or intimidate people or make them feel like they don't matter or they're just like a cog in this big machine of the film. Like I, I just I want them to feel like they their opinion is worth something and that I'm actually considering what they have to say. Um, and I, I guess it's it's just important because it. I feel like when there is no drama or like there's st stuff can happen where like mistakes are made or whatever. But um, if you can reduce the drama, if you can reduce the um, arguments or the clashes, um, I think it just helps everybody to focus and to make a better film overall. Because if we're so busy like bickering with each other or like there's some chaos going on off of the side, like it's going to cause a kink in your production timeline somehow and so um and then also like i just feel like it's important to be nice overall like it's not like oh i'm a horrible person offset but on set i'm just trying to be nice so i can get this thing done like I, I try to just make that a part of my life in general like i i want people to feel safe around me because um there have been times in my life where i didn't feel safe around certain people so i i know how that feels and i I want to just give that to other people, like give them a space where they feel like they can say anything or um, express anything and not be um, reprimanded for it or um, judged or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I try to make my whole life about being nice to people. And then that just sort of seeps into my work as well, I guess. Nice. Chris, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I just wanted to touch on something that Michelle said earlier about like how someone handles stress. So if you're the director, and especially if you're the director of a student, of a student film, you have a lot of pressure on you. You got a yes. lot of stress going on. <laughs> and it is, I think all of us have been there where it is, it is so difficult to handle. Mm -hmm. And it is really hard to kind of compartmentalize and not like 
push that onto somebody else. And on the day of the set, on the day of your first, you know, shooting schedule, and mm-hmm. you have been working so hard for months, possibly getting all this together, getting like Michelle was saying, paperwork together, getting budgets together, getting contracts together, getting mm-hmm. all this other jazz to like come together. And on the first day, and you're like this ball of energy and stress that's about to go into the workplace. Because <laughs> if we're being honest, yeah. that is the workplace for a lot of um, us in the future or mm-hmm. a lot of us right now. Like that's our workspace. Yeah. But it is a highly charged, highly stressful, time sensitive, possibly dangerous workspace if you mm-hmm. are working in a weird environment or if yeah. someone's not doing their job properly. Um, and all of us have been there where stress has kind of taken us a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or taking us a lot in my case. Um, you'll give mm-hmm. that in a later podcast, but um, <laughs> it is really important to understand how you, as a person, handle stress. Because if you handle stress in a really hard way, let's say um, mm-hmm. you just get really silent and you don't communicate on a mm-hmm. set that's really hard to work with. Let's say yeah. on, let's say you have a lot of stress and you get angry. You should know that about yourself, and you should trust someone, hopefully your AD or your producer, to kind of check you. And be like, hey, mm-hmm. I can see you're kind of going that direction. Let's just kind of wind it back. And in my own, in my own, um, in my own sets, I've had that happen to me. I've had yeah. it where I've gotten so stressed and so, like you know, bent on getting something that I've had to have people check me. And I'm so mm-hmm. grateful for those people. But ultimately, like, like Michelle was saying, um, everyone on your set needs to make sure that they feel safe and they feel like they can do their job and focus just on doing that role. Because mm-hmm. if they don't feel like they can do that, they're not going to produce the best quality. And ultimately, your film is not going to come out the best way it could have because you didn't create this environment. And so mm-hmm. when it comes to having a nice character, having a good personality, it's really a lot of introspective looking at yourself before you get to that stage to know the signs along the way yeah. to be like, okay, I need to make sure I'm not this way. I need to make <laughs> sure I minimize all of this. Yeah. So uh, Therapy yeah. helps. Oh, yes, it does. Absolutely. <laughs> like if you have yeah. you know, if you have the opportunity to go to therapy in your university, they offer therapy, go to it. It's either you're yeah. paying for it already or you get a couple free sessions, but it is so helpful. Mm-hmm. Go to therapy. Yeah, no, seriously, like I've been multiple times because <laughs> I, I do have like I've had panic attacks in the past and I've had um, like just overwhelming anxiety where it did shut me down. Like um, that's something I'm still dealing with in certain ways, but I I think um, just understanding your triggers and understanding what is going to lead you down the rabbit hole of like chaos and stress, I think that's really important so you can stop it from happening. And then like what you were saying, having accountability partners, like just someone to like tell you what you can't see um, about yourself. And yeah, I think it's, it's good to have introspection like that, like just understanding what your limits are and then having supportive people around you to help you get through it. And um, I think something that I've been learning, cause I, I was like super stressed. Like I, I, I realized I started to add, like put all the stress on myself in pre-production. And then it's sort of, I don't know, it's kind of a weird metaphor in my head right now, but like what, usually when, I, um, when I'm rushing to get somewhere, and I know I need to be there, like it's for work or whatever, and I feel like I'm running late, I put this boundary in my head of like, I can rush all the way up until I start driving because I know once I start driving, it's going to be dangerous if I'm still rushing on the freeway or whatever it is. So I have like this thing in my head of 
like I guess it's sort of like pre-production is like me getting ready to leave and then production is like when the car starts actually driving like I know I need to be careful and I know I need to um, drive the speed limit and all that stuff like obey all the rules like I can't lose my mind like while I'm in the car I can lose my mind like before I get in the car and afterwards but I cannot like lose my mind while I'm driving so I think I don't know in a weird way I think that's sort of like the way I the last at least the last two films that I did that's sort of the way that I've been treating my stress like I'm allowed to stress out all the way up until the actual day of production because at that point I need to have my stuff together I need to just relax and I've set everything in motion so now I just have to let it play out and just see what I get at the end like it's uh it's crazy but yeah therapy is good um, don't feel ashamed to go to therapy or get counseling or like if you have stress, like it's okay to deal with it and talk about it. So, yeah. Would highly recommend. I think that car analogy is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back a little bit and touching a little bit upon pre-production. Um, Michelle, can you just really briefly describe your writing process in order to get that like good crafted story? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm still learning what that is. Um, I feel, yeah, I don't know if I have like a set process that I do like every time because it's usually I just get like this random idea in my head and then I just, I sort of like try to think of like who the main character would be. Um, I usually take some my of my own like personal life experience and put that in there because I know that best so I, I just try to like add some of that in there to make it more realistic um yeah I don't I don't really have like a a set way that I write the script I just I have a goal in mind of like the ultimate message that I want to portray um I try to keep things as realistic as possible um I do try to put a lot of myself and my own emotions into the character at times, like depending on what the character is. Um, and I just start writing. And then if something like I'll, I'll write the rough drafts, um, I'll sometimes I'll just wait a few days and then look back at it. I'll get rid of the stuff that doesn't work. Um, I'll definitely share it with a lot of people, just like get their opinions on what I think, what they think works or what doesn't work or if there's like a scene that's too long or whatever I try to um, just get as much feedback as I can from from people that I trust that I know right well um, so I think it's just a lot of sharing your script with other people getting feedback um, and what else yeah I don't know I just just write like don't really care about what your ultimate end goal is going to be just start writing and I know I, ha I have a hard time doing that sometimes because I, I want to like when I write the first thing I just want that to be like the finished script but I I'm trying to practice more of like just writing and not caring about the ultimate thing because you can always go back and change it later so it's not like once it's on the page it's like forever that's going to be your scene or your story um so yeah awesome yeah all right moving on um, Michelle, moment in film. <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Just in general. <laughs> wow, what a broad way to segue into that. So, Michelle, you're a woman. What do you think about women in film? 
Well, it's hard, you guys. No, um, it's it's very it's I don't know. It's complicated. That's like a really big question. Um, for me, okay, my own personal experience, which I'm gonna talk about again, but like it's just it's it's sometimes hard to be taken seriously. I feel like sometimes. Um, most of the time, just, I mean, I don't know if it's different in other schools or whatever, but at La Sierra, when I was there, there, it was like just me and one other girl <laughs> in the class. So it's like, it's sort of like the majority is guys. And there are times like if you're not super boisterous or extroverted, I'm like introverted and um, not really loud or anything like that. So I feel like it was like really hard for me to have my opinion heard at times. Um, and yeah, so I think it's now that I have a little more experience um, and luckily there are more females in the film program now. So that's really awesome. Um, it's really important to find your, your tribe of women that can help support you um, that will have your back and that, can just like share they can share with each other like what you're going through and experiencing um it's it's even more difficult i would imagine for like women of color to be in film because that's like even more like difficult and there are more obstacles for them too um so just like me not being of color <laughs> like i i have like some more privilege in a way but then there's also just like me being a woman there there are a lot of hindrances to that so I feel like um it's it's really I don't know it's just it's hard but if you if you really believe in film if you really believe that your voice can be heard through film I think it's worth trying and it's worth um putting yourself out there and just have a support group for you um to fall back on when you are struggling with those issues. Um, and then also, um, I also joined the group Women in Film in Hollywood. Um, so you have to pay a membership fee. If you're a student, I think you need to have a letter from your professor or something like that to for them to accept you into the group. But um, that's been a really great resource. You could go to womeninfilm.org and you can volunteer for their events. You can go to their their um, discussion panels and their meetups and stuff like that and just learn more about what other women have done in the past to get to where they are today. Um, right now they're doing a lot of Zoom calls because of the quarantine, but um, I mean, it's nice because you don't have to drive to Hollywood if you don't live that close by, um, but you, you can really connect and network with a lot of people and then start building your support group that way. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a lot of like, how badly do you want it? How badly do you want your voice to be heard? And are you willing to push through all of the negativity and all of the the people that don't think you're good enough to get your voice heard in the end? And in any workplace, I think a huge diverse, or diversity is vastly important in terms of like improving the, the environment and improving the quality too. Mm -hmm. um, Michelle, in your experience or in your opinion, um, what will like a larger um, diverse uh, filmmaking community bring to film uh, making and film in general? 
I think it will help with empathy. Um, it will create more stories um, from more diverse backgrounds. And it, I think ultimately it will help people to better understand each other. Um, when you have a lot of white film going on, it's like, it's sort of hard to really understand other people's point of view, especially if you, um, if you live in a very white community and you only watch white films, a lot of the times when you um, insert something more diverse in there, um, it sort of gives you a different perspective on different cultures and different people and genders and all of that stuff. Like, I feel like it's really important um, just as a human race, I guess, to just like understand other people, understand um, different backgrounds and cultures because it's, we, we have a tendency to be very close-minded and it's easy to stay in your comfort zone and to want to just stick with what you know. But I think when you do take chances and you try to expand your mind and try to understand people, um, it just makes you a better person in the end. So I think the ultimate goal would be to just make people better and to make people more empathetic and loving towards each other. Yeah, definitely. Chris, any thoughts? Yeah, I, was, I would always want to ask this question. Um, you know, since, film, since our specific film school did not have a high population of female to male ratio, um, mm-hmm. what's something that male filmmakers or people on a set can kind of keep in mind to make sure that they're not stepping on toes or they're not, you know, silencing people that are uh, silencing women on set. How can uh, we as males in that workspace mm-hmm. help accommodate for the, the disparity of the ratio? I think um, giving females a higher place in the crew would be nice. Like just like maybe making a female one of your um, producers or just like giving them a place other than like just like wardrobe or something like that like like not putting them where you you think they should be but giving them the chance to say like oh I'm good at this and just let them do that thing like don't don't like try to place them where you think they need to be Um, also to um, just listen to what they have to say like actually like think like okay if my best friend or my like this like coworker that I always work with I always listen to what they have to say like am I treating the women on my set the same way like am I really listening to what they have to say um I think it's just a lot of introspection and and looking at yourself and um considering like how you're reacting to the women on your set and um just understanding that they have the right to be there and they have good ideas and that they can come up with creative stuff too. It's not just um, men that have good ideas or men that can be funny or men that can do like great scripts. It's like women also have great ideas and they deserve a spot at your table. So it's not like um, they need to work their way up to get to that point. It's like you need to sort of really look at them as a person and acknowledge, okay, they do have talent. They are creative too. And, and I want, that to be part of my set so um yeah 
but also too i mean some women that's not saying like all women are good screenwriters like there are some people that okay they should be doing something else with their life but like if, if someone genuinely has talent for what you know what they're doing and and they want to be a part of your project like don't don't try to put them in the place you think they should be let them blossom into what they know they can be so you said you mentioned about not like putting them like you know just in the wardrobe but letting them like you know tell you tell them what they're good at and like maybe putting them there um or along there is how how else um can like stereotypes be removed like on set or off set do you think Hmm. um let's see i i sort of i don't have all the answers to this problem <laughs> i mean um, i don't think anyone does but yeah because you know, i you 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 know better than us because i'm mm -hmm. like essentially a white male uh <laughs> this is asian <laughs> male so it, it's it's like as as much as you know we try mm -hmm. to understand we we will never fully understand completely so i think yeah. it's very important mm -hmm. to well i think a, a big part of it is what you're doing right now is you're just asking questions um you're asking how i'm feeling about things um you're actually wanting to do better that's like the first step in the 12 step program is admitting you have a problem <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I don't know, that's like, that, that's, that shows a lot of character and it shows that you, you are headed towards the right direction of like being more open and accepting when you do ask the hard questions. Like, well, how does it, like, if something were, were to happen on your set, you would ask like, well, um, how did that make you feel? Or um, was there a better way that I could have responded to you at that moment or do you feel like I'm giving you the opportunities that you deserve or like, what can I do better? Um, Cause when you don't ask the questions, you never get the answers and then you end up just causing the same issues over and over again in other sets with other people. So um, yeah, just being open and asking questions and um, just being curious about it, wanting to know more. I think that's a really big step for a lot of people. Chris? Oh, um, I was just thinking about one specific set that I was on where I was ADing this set and our director was making a lot of jokes that were not in good taste. And in that position as his AD, I made the decision to essentially chastise him um, and say, that is not appropriate. That's not making anyone on the set comfortable and you can't say those jokes. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a really bizarre look like why would you stand up for you know someone else why would you say that and i told him um the reason i'm doing this is because you are the one that is supposed to be directing this ship and if no one here feels safe no one's going to want to work with you and so as much as it is you know making sure that you give other people the space to talk listen giving other people the space to listen making sure other people feel safe it also means that if you are working on that, you need to be an ally for when they can't stand up or speak or no one is listening to them. You need to be that person that is an ally to those who don't have a voice at the moment and then making sure you give them the platform to say what they want to say when they have their voice. Mm -hmm. Nice. Any other uh, comments, thoughts, um, opinions on anything? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I
Yeah, that was a good point Chris just made. Um, yeah, like when you fill in the gap, I guess, like be the voice that women need when they aren't being heard. And then that's also too with just any group that's marginalized. Like if you can be a voice for them and hopefully get through to the other people that's in your group, then I think that would help a lot. Nice. All right. Wrapping up here, um, Michelle, do you want to uh, just to tell or describe what you're doing now and like must be creative or um like career opportunities or whatnot yeah sure <laughs> right now i am at home in my pajamas and <laughs> i am not working no um i actually i'm doing a i i started an llc with my husband jesus um it's called musty creative llc um it's pretty much a, I wouldn't say like content creation type of thing, but it's, it's, a, um, it's a platform we're gonna use to do stories. And we are um, using games, films, um, just videos, like any kind of form of media to um, just create positive content and content that shows positivity in a different light um so our main goal for the whole um the overall our overall main goal for the company is to um cultivate love in the hearts of humankind so that's like our main goal in the content we're creating um the games we're creating um the reason why we're doing it we want to create stuff that makes people aesthetic um, more loving and understanding of each other and hopefully give them tools that they need to make their own lives better. Um, so we've been doing that. We've been doing the Musty Creative podcast for like two years now, I think, something like that. It's been a while, but um, we've been doing the Musty Creative podcast, which is on anchor.fm slash musty. And we talk about storytelling. We talk about... Um, what we find interesting in mainstream media and also like independent films and animated films and um, just trying to be more analytical. Like we don't wanna just regurgitate what like movie reviewers are saying. We wanna actually dig deep into like the actual story of the film and why the writers did what they did and the motivation of the characters. So that way we can become better writers ourselves and better storytellers. Um, and yeah, so other than that, I'm just doing like freelance work on the side, um, doing promo videos and yeah, that's pretty much it right now. Um, I am open to be on other people's sets and films if, if you need help with things like that. Um, yeah. Awesome. Great. Chris, any, do you have anything, uh, any wrapping thoughts or final thoughts? Um, not really. I think we've had a nice extensive podcast so i'm really uh, happy about it me too michelle any final thoughts or <laughs> i just wanted to thank you guys for having me on it's really cool that you guys have your own podcast i'm really oh, excited you. for you guys that's it thanks again to chris and michelle for joining me on the podcast today you can find michelle's llc the mostly creative on instagram and on anchor her instagram tag is the mostly creative no spaces in between and her anchor is anchor.fm slash musty. I hope you enjoyed it. 
and you listen to more.